This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. The chaotic U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan and the Taliban's victory there has left many questions about whether Americans are actually safer now. Until a few days ago, U.S. Ambassador Zalmay Khalilzad was the Biden administration's top envoy negotiating directly with the Taliban. He brokered the Trump-era deal with the Taliban, in which the U.S. promised to withdraw all U.S. forces. And he joins us now for his first television interview. Welcome to the program. It's great to be with you, Margaret. You have spent more time with the Taliban than any American. Mm -hmm. You were intimately involved with this negotiation. Mm -hmm. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, said this was a strategic failure, the end mm -hmm. of America's longest war. He said the enemy is now in charge in Kabul. Do you share that view? Well, I think uh, there is a lot of anger and a lot of resentment about what has happened uh, there. I think we uh, went to Afghanistan uh, to uh, uh, make sure uh, that those who had participated in, in the 9-11 uh, attack were brought to justice and that Al-Qaeda would never be able to use Afghanistan or any other terrorist group to attack uh, the United States again. I think uh, with regard to terrorism, we largely have achieved our objective. Uh, on the issue of building a democratic Afghanistan, uh, uh, I think the, that uh, did not succeed. The struggle goes on uh, and uh, it would have to be carried on by the Afghans themselves. We transform Afghanistan. Uh, I think millions uh, of Afghans now are educated, cell phones, uh, the Taliban are going to have a hard time putting them back uh, in the box the way they had put people in the uh, uh, 1990s. But we, we, we did not achieve uh, 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 the second objective of the transformation, uh, an enduring transformation of Afghanistan into a democratic uh, uh, allied uh, nation state. Mm -hmm. The enemy is in charge of Kabul. Is that how you view the Taliban government now? Well, the, we fought the Taliban, obviously, for 20 years. They are uh, not uh, our allies or partners. Uh, so there is a, a mistrust and distrust. Um, uh, but uh, uh, we would have obviously preferred a different outcome, a negotiated outcome in which uh, the people who supported the republic, meaning the government, uh, since uh, we went into Afghanistan, sharing power with, uh, with the Talibs. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Talibs are a reality of Afghanistan. Uh, we did not defeat them. In fact, they were making progress uh, yeah. on the battlefield, even as we were negotiating with them. And the reason we negotiated with them was because uh, militarily things were not going as well as we would have liked. We were losing ground each year. They were winning uh, the war. Uh, uh, slowly but uh, uh, making progress and for us to reverse the progress that they were making w uh, was going to require a lot more efforts and we tried it a couple of times to increase the effort but uh, not making progress uh, against them uh, so we thought uh, it's better to get a negotiated settlement. Uh, negotiation was a mm -hmm. result of based on the judgment that uh, uh, we weren't winning the war and therefore uh, uh, time was not on our side and better to make a deal sooner than right. later and that's what we did. And that was the conclusion of President Obama, President Trump, President Biden. And I'm going to get into the details of the, of the deal, but I want to ask you a little bit about what's happening now since you've been the main conduit to the Taliban. Since the government's fall, you've been trying to get Americans out. How many Americans remain in Afghanistan today? Uh, we aren't sure. Uh, the, the, the frank answer is because not every American, uh, uh, some of them are Afghan Americans who, uh, who have families there, who, have, uh, who live there, 
uh, the, the, uh, it's uh, hundreds, uh, isn't it? Uh, I, I think uh, it's very likely that it'll be uh, uh, in hundreds, but uh, we don't know. The truth of the matter is we don't know. We have uh, tried to, uh, when I was in government, reach out through various means, phone calls, emails, uh, the embassy uh, statements publicly to, uh, to get in touch. Uh, and uh, and uh, many uh, had not, and then later some did. Some were ambivalent about going uh, or staying. Some wanted to bring 65 members of their families who were not Americans with them. If they couldn't bring all of them, they w were not willing to leave themselves. So lots of uh, issues, but I can tell you that a lot of good people uh, worked very hard uh, to bring as many uh, Americans, all Americans, if they wanted to leave uh, in our system, uh, uh, fortunately, we can't coerce American citizens to, to leave, so they have to make a decision. And, 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 but there, I, I, my judgment is there could be still uh, hundreds of Americans there. Hundreds. And the Pentagon, has, the Pentagon has acknowledged there are also U.S. trained commandos, right. Afghan commandos who were left right. behind, people who right. fought alongside Americans for right. years, sure. along with interpreters who are still sure. trying to get out. How many of them are left and do we bear moral responsibility to get them out? Well, we have to, uh, first of all, recognize they didn't fight for us. They fought for the, their country. And sometimes we self-flagellate a little uh, uh, that uh, what happened in Afghanistan was largely our effort. Afghans are divided. Some of them believe in uh, uh, a republic, uh, more Western-style government. Uh, these are mostly urban Afghans. But then there are other Afghans who support a more Islamic government, uh, like right. the Taliban uh, groups. But these and were trained allied forces, many of whom want to get out now. Well, do we bear want to get out, uh, we should uh, obviously help them. We have brought, uh, I can say, thousands of uh, Afghans who, who helped us and their family members. And uh, uh, this process uh, will continue. I've got the Talibs to agree to make a statement on national television in Afghanistan that any Afghan who has worked with the United States uh, wants to leave. They will not make uh, uh, any uh, problems or create obstacles on their way to depart Afghanistan. There are reports they're being hunted down and many are in hiding. Uh, well, uh, I see these reports, and sometimes we, uh, when I was in government, I, I looked into uh, those reports and found that they, uh, they were not necessarily always accurate. And that uh, there have been people who have also acted as Talibs, who have uh, uh, taken revenge for some personal or uh, something that the person had done against what they regard to have been unfair to them. But uh, we are keeping the pressure, and we should continue to keep the pressure on the Talibs to honor the commitments that they have made. Who does that, CIA or the State Department? Who? Well, the pressure comes from the whole of government, uh, uh, with the State Department in the lead, uh, although in our last engagement with the Talibs, uh, the deputy director of the CIA led our uh, discussions uh, with them, but uh, we uh, uh, diplomatic channel is uh, very much uh, in the lead. We have a, uh, an embassy uh, uh, sort of in Doha, and the, the charge meets regularly mm -hmm. uh, with the Taliban. The UN has given some pretty dire projections of what's happening inside Afghanistan right now. More than a million children could die of malnutrition in the next year. Yeah. The Taliban has still not allowed girls age 12 and older to return to school. They may say something, but they're not doing it. There are videos of women being beaten in the streets to just demonstrating for their rights. I mean, isn't this proof that the Taliban has no intention of becoming a democratic government or any kind of government that protects human rights? Well, uh, there's no question that uh, uh, the Taliban have a different vision for Afghanistan. It's a vision of a more Islamic government uh, uh, than existed before, and there is obviously disputes about the interpretation uh, of uh, Islam. Little girls going to school? Well, I think there is a disagreement uh, inside the Taliban. That's why I think that uh, uh, we can't say all Talibs behave in the same way. There are factions inside it. Right now, for example, in uh, at least three or four provinces, uh, uh, high schools uh, for uh, girls have been opened. And they say the same will happen 
uh, as far as the rest of the country is concerned. And uh, we should hold them uh, to that, keep pressure on them. They want uh, um, assistance, they want uh, normalcy in relations, they want their uh, monies of Afghanistan and the U.S. banks to be uh, unfrozen. Should uh, it have, be? Uh, we, I think uh, uh, we shouldn't uh, uh, do so without a clear understanding of what they will do in exchange for which what steps we are willing to take. And there has to be a time uh, uh, in that agreement. Uh, there has to be kind of a roadmap as to when they will do what and, and in response to that, what it is that we will do. I think that, that task is ahead of us. But don't you think it's, it's a bit of a fantasy to say that the Taliban will do all of those things you just laid out? Aren't they proving themselves to not be capable of that? Well, uh, I, I think that uh, my judgment is uh, that the Taliban uh, are not the same Taliban uh, of the 1990s, uh, but uh, that's mostly true of some, especially those who we negotiated with, they're more worldly. But there are other factions, uh, were some commanders who are, were less exposed to the world, uh, and uh, they are more hardline. And it is in that struggle uh, that uh, the future of Afghanistan will be decided. If they don't, uh, Taliban don't move toward more inclusiveness, respecting the rights of the uh, Afghan people, the, and, and then honoring their commitment to us on terrorism, there will be no uh, move towards normalcy, and there shouldn't be. There should be no uh, release of funds uh, uh, so that economy uh, could collapse. And in that collapse, uh, there, uh, uh, a new civil war mm -hmm. uh, uh, could start. So the Talibs have some difficult, uh, important choices to make. And I think they are debating that themselves. I believe the best approach is uh, to engage uh, with them uh, with clear uh, uh, list of what it is that we want in exchange for what they would like to see, whether we can do all of them or some of them, there has to be a step-by-step -step agreement and, uh, uh, and a roadmap that both sides agree to. It's a bit of a euphemism to say some hardline individuals are in that government. I mean, right. the Minister of the Interior has a $10 million bounty on his head because he's a U.S.-designated terrorist. A yeah. member of the Haqqani network. Absolutely. Uh, Direct uh, ties to Al-Qaeda. Uh, absolutely. And therefore, for us to do anything, uh, that issue has to be dealt with to our satisfaction. Haqqani is breaking uh, uh, to our satisfaction from Al-Qaeda has to be uh, a precondition, a condition for uh, uh, progress on the agenda that they have, including uh, the issue of and freezing the, uh, the, so, the, so the you, bank accounts. That you acknowledge that the Taliban has not cut ties with Al-Qaeda? Uh, the, uh, the Taliban have agreed not to allow Al-Qaeda uh, or any other terrorist group, which was a big success for them to mention Al-Qaeda twice in the agreement. Uh, the, the agreement you negotiated back in 2020. Uh, right. Uh, to uh, plot and plan uh, from the territories they controlled, or now that they control Afghanistan, from Afghanistan against the United States and our allies. That was what we wanted from them. That's but, what they said on paper, but yeah, Chairman but, Milley, Milley says they did not live up to that. Uh, well, they, they have lived up, we're convinced that they are not allowing, they are not allowing plotting and planning mm. uh, operations by Al-Qaeda against the United States. We always would like to see more uh, from uh, uh, the Taliban, uh, from almost any country that we deal with on this issue, we would like them uh, to do more. We would like to expel, uh, to, uh, to get them to expel uh, any Al-Qaeda member who is there. Although they do argue that some um, of these people have been there for decades because during the Soviet period it is that they had come to Afghanistan. Some have married Afghans that have children and grandchildren mm -hmm. there. But nevertheless, we should press them to do more uh, on the issue of terrorism. Do they know where the leader of Al-Qaeda is? The UN says he's living in Afghanistan. Well, uh, the report that I have seen uh, uh, indicate he could be in Afghanistan or uh, adjacent territories. Uh, Ayman al-Zawahiri. Uh, Al-Zawahiri. I don't know whether uh, the, the Taliban know it. Uh, uh, the, the Taliban that I dealt with, uh, uh, they told me they did not know where he was. Do you believe that? 
Well, I didn't, I, um, <laughs> there is, a, as I said before, a lack of trust between us and them. That's why it's very important not to take their word for, uh, uh, in terms of what they say or what they commit to. That's why we are saying there has to be uh, over the horizon monitoring uh, of the uh, commitments on terrorism and the ability to strike uh, if we see plotting and planning going on. Let's talk about the deal you negotiated. Yes. Why did you resign? Oh, uh, I was asked uh, uh, by the former president to uh, negotiate uh, our withdrawal from Afghanistan and get commitments from the Talibs on the terrorism front. Uh, uh, that has been achieved. Uh, we are out. Uh, our longest war uh, is over. Now we're in a new phase uh, dealing with evacuation issues and uh, the humanitarian issues, which uh, I think uh, the United States, the American people are very generous providing humanitarian assistance. Uh, I thought that the, uh, the, it was the, given the new phase, it was time to move on. And uh, 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 we have also adjusted kind of uh, how we will do Afghanistan moving forward. So it was, it was the time uh, for me to to move on as well. Mm -hmm. You said this was a job to negotiate the U.S. withdrawal. Yes. In the past, you've said something about this also being a peace deal. Yes. Was it really just about not shooting Americans on their way out the door? Is well, that what this assignment in, in, in was? In fact, we negotiated a condition-based uh, comprehensive agreement that had four elements. Uh, terrorism commitment from the Talibs, which was a fundamental, timetable for U.S. withdrawal, inter-Afghan negotiations, uh, and an agreement on a new uh, government and a comprehensive permanent ceasefire. And this was a package. Um, uh, and uh, the, the U.S. withdrawal was the most important for us uh, because uh, uh, Afghanistan was uh, being very expensive. Uh, you know, it costed almost 40 billion a year. And the world had changed uh, since uh, uh, 2001. Uh, resources were needed for uh, other key issues like how do you deal with China, uh, the technological right. race, the geopolitical competition with them and sometimes even domestic issues. So for us, uh, terrorism and withdrawal was the most imp uh, important, but we wanted to also do the right thing for the Afghans and, and, and uh, we put those two others uh, conditions also as part of the agreement. Well, the agreement itself is what I want to talk to you about because when you talk uh, to, as I have, uh, former Afghan officials, or right. when you listen to General Milley or General McKenzie testify on Capitol Hill, they go all the way back to that 2020 deal you negotiated. Right. And they say that was the moment. Right. That was the moment when America signed this deal that it was incredibly demoralizing to Afghan forces. Right. So when. President Biden says they just melted away. They say it was that deal right. you brokered that did that. Well, I, I say to that uh, a couple of things. Uh, one is that the reason we uh, moved towards that deal, that uh, President Obama wanted to do it, President uh, Trump did it, and President Biden continued with it, is because militarily uh, we were not making progress. We were not winning the war, number one. So the, the question was, do we do what we were doing, losing ground for many more years uh, without uh, winning, or do we uh, seek an alternative? And two, uh, one of the big questions we have to ask ourselves, uh, why the Afghan army did not fight? Did they not believe in the cause themselves? They fought for 20 years. What be, while we were there, after I were withdrawn, did they, uh, were they just fighting for us? Uh, or were they fighting for a cause? Did the Talibs have a belief in what they were doing and the government forces did not? Was it because of the corruption uh, of the regime that we had helped, that they had lost confidence in that regime? That the government did not treat the soldiers right, paying their salaries, looking after the, uh, the families of those who lost their lives. Uh, uh, this has to be one of the key issues. Why is mm -hmm. it? Uh, I think it's too uh, uh, simple and uh, not altogether right unless we think this army fought only because uh, of the U.S. 
uh, to say that the agreement was responsible for why they didn't fight and they disintegrated. I believe there were many more reasons, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think uh, the, the Pentagon, I'm sure, is looking at this, yes. and we, we need to be looking uh, at this issue closely because we spent a lot of effort yes. and a lot of time, and uh, why was it that at the end uh, they disintegrated? I think there would be domestic factors of Afghanistan uh, as well, uh, as well as the way how we built this force it needs to be looked at. Uh, and, and we hear promises from the administration they're going to do a hot wash of all of this. Right. But on that point, right. don't you see some legitimacy to the argument that when the most powerful country in the world right. legitimizes the Taliban, sits down with them, says we will sign this agreement alongside you, that the message sent to every governor, to every soldier, writings on the wall, Right. Taliban's coming back I, to power I can no tell you what. that, uh, that uh, the Afghan people overwhelmingly uh, w wanted a peace agreement. They were tired of this war, especially they didn't see it going in the right direction. And uh, the agreement said uh, that there would be negotiations between the government right. and the Talibs. So they opened the door for a peaceful settlement. But, but you did not include the Afghan government in the deal between the U.S. and Taliban. That was a later step that you promised to, to include them. Oops. But for the deal you brokered, H.R. Right. McMaster, right. retired general, former right. national security advisor to President Trump, said, said you, you brokered a surrender deal. How do you respond to that? Well, uh, first of all, uh, on the same day uh, that we signed the deal with the Talibs, we had a joint uh, announcement with the NATO Secretary General in Kabul uh, endorsing that agreement and the continuation of our support. While we signed the agreement, we continued to, uh, to support the Afghan armed forces. Mm -hmm. In fact, that deal allowed us something that has not gotten much attention, that while the Talibs agreed not to attack us after the deal was signed, they allowed us, they agreed that we could come to the defense of the Afghan forces if they were attacked and for because they were attacking the Afghan forces and so, that and we And we backed. came to the defense of the Afghan forces. We, they allowed us, we could kill Talibs during the withdrawal period, but they couldn't attack us. Second is, the reason for the deal, I mean, to my friend General McMaster and others, is because we weren't winning the war. Mm -hmm. How long did General McMaster think we should continue while losing ground each year. Why, why, did, uh, why was that the case after 20 years? That uh, with so much investment, so much loss of life, that we were losing ground uh, to the Talibs, and the alternative was either a negotiated settlement or more of the same. And uh, people way above my pay grade decided more of the same is not acceptable anymore. We needed to- uh, uh, Above your pay grade, you're talking about Secretary of State Pompeo, or you're talking about President Trump? both and uh, in, in the current administration too. Uh, they were deliberated on and the decision was what it was. Uh, sometimes people think that uh, I must have, as if I had uh, all the authority for decision making. Uh, what, <laughs> we know that is obviously not true, but I, I, can, I having, having participated uh, with uh, several presidents, I, I can assure you that there is a lot of deliberation and uh, given the alternatives uh, available, a choice was made. Because the American public had lost the will to fight. And, and the fight wasn't going right. Mm -hmm. The fight was not going right after 20 years. So it, I want to go through some of the specifics with you. Yes, please. Because you were the practitioner here, right? right? So one of the chief criticisms of you is you gave up too much and you got too little. Right. I know you're saying you were just the guy no, carrying no, I, out I, what the I, president I, I could take criticism, uh, 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 no, no issue there, I'm sure there are always alternatives, uh, yes. Um, but on the specific point of one of the things in the deal, yes. why did the Trump administration agree to the Taliban's demand that 5,000 prisoners be released? Right. 5,000 prisoners right. who could very easily end up right on that battlefield. Right. Well, Why did you do that before peace talks? Uh, the, uh, the Taliban, uh, in order to sit with the government to negotiate, wanted some confidence build, uh, building measures from both sides. Uh, their demand was all prisoners be released by both sides uh, as a goodwill gesture as they were going to sit together at the table to, uh, to negotiate peace. What uh, do they need 
potential fighters for if they're negotiating yeah. peace. Well, but they were giving up the fighters also because it was an exchange of prisoners, not a release, one-sided release. The government had over 15,000 or so prisoners, uh, the government of Afghanistan, and the Talibs had 1,000 prisoners. The Talib uh, said uh, uh, that uh, uh, they would release all of theirs, but they want all of the uh, uh, prisoners that the government had. The government ultimately going back and forth we agreed as a confidence bill measure uh, to start inter-Afghan negotiations, uh, um, 5,000 for 1,000. And there wasn't any shortage of fighters one, uh, on either side, 300,000 on one side, 70,000 uh, on the other side or more maybe or less. So it wasn't, uh, and they made a commitment that these freed prisoners by both sides would not go back to the battlefield. Was that lived up to? I think in, in, in the majority of cases, in the overwhelming majority of cases, our judgment is yes. Although there were some instances, and the Talibs attributed that, that those people who went back were the ones that the government, after releasing them, were hunting them. Now, that I, I say that the Taliban, uh, uh, some of the uh, soldiers that were released, or some of their fighters that were released, mm -hmm. did go back into the battle. So, but you can understand if you're sitting in Kabul in the U.S. allied elected government of Afghanistan and you're saying the fate of my country is being decided without me at the table and the enemy is having thousands of prisoners released, I'm being sold down the river here. No, the question was that uh, what we did in fact was the opposite, which is they were fighting each other and losing ground, the government was losing ground. Mm -hmm. And what we did is, as a result of this agreement, we uh, started direct for the first time in 40 years of Afghan history of war, recent war, to talk to each other, to sit across the table to negotiate with each other. That, that took a long time to happen and those negotiations didn't go anywhere. Well, that is a different uh, question. Why didn't the negotiation go anywhere? Is it, uh, did the government uh, uh, play a role in the slow rolling of the negotiations? Did the government embrace those negotiations? Uh, right. Did it uh, uh, campaign against uh, the peace process? Of course, ideally, I can understand for the government uh, to have wanted to be the one to negotiate everything with the Taliban, mm -hmm. including the US forces. But uh, that's what we tried for uh, 18 years or 16 years to say uh, for the Talibs, sit with the government and negotiate. They said first they need to reach an understanding with the U.S., then they will sit with the, with the Afghans, right. and, and, and that's what we did at well, the end. Well, that's what the Taliban demanded. That's what they but, demanded, yes. But for the United States to agree to that, yes. well, but the, don't but, you understand how it poisoned the waters or, with President Ghani and his government that they wouldn't trust what was about to happen? Well, the, the question is, uh, again, I would come back to what's the, what choices did the government or us face? Do we want to go uh, to, uh, to continue the war? Or uh, come, having come to a judgment that we were not succeeding, mm -hmm. uh, we were not winning the war, that we should seek a political settlement. And we, in that political settlement, as I said, we had four elements, uh, mm -hmm. which included negotiations with the government and a comprehensive permanent ceasefire as part of the agreement. Then. Uh, of course, some of the, uh, our leaders here were s uh, skeptical about uh, making the withdrawal of the United States forces contingent on a political agreement and right. a comprehensive ceasefire because the, uh, the belief was that we uh, very well will get stuck there because the Afghan government might not want to uh, make mm -hmm. a deal the Talibs might not want to make a deal or the two may not come to an agreement. So the, the, at the end, we decided not to, do, uh, to, to, to go ahead with a condition-based approach, right. but rather to do a calendar withdrawal. But essentially- But that's not in the agreement. I mean, the difference between uh, what was in the agreement and what we did was in right. the agreement was a condition-based package, but ultimately the decision was uh, to, uh, to do a calendar-based withdrawal. Right. The conditions went out the door. I mean, Chairman Milley has, has said that right. the Taliban didn't live up to this deal. No, I mean, and our approach... The, under our the Biden approach, administration, they said no longer conditions-based. We're just out. You're saying... Because of pessimism about, uh, pessimism about uh, whether the Afghans could uh, uh, reach an agreement that it may take much longer 
and if the Afghans don't reach an agreement and we don't honor the timetable for withdrawal, mm -hmm. we could be back at war with the Taliban. But, and there is plenty of criticism and another hour of what happened with the Afghan government itself. Right. But this was an agreement between the United States and the Taliban. Right. With a, a full knowledge and, uh, and, uh, of the Afghan government. Mm -hmm. uh, you were telling them what was happening. Uh, yeah, yes. I was showing them the, the various drafts. Right. They were very pleased with the uh, joint statement that was issued, uh, as I said, on the same day. With continuing military support, we came to the defense of their forces when they were attacked. With uh, uh, The Ghani uh, government uh, was begin. not supportive of your work. You know that. I mean, you, you well, and President Ghani personally had some bad blood. You, you'd known him for years. I, 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 His uh, office would accuse you of trying to run for president of Afghanistan yeah. yourself at one point. <laughs> All of that is true, but there was, uh, uh, there was nothing about me in this regard. I was representing the United States uh, to uh, carry out the president's uh, direction to negotiate a settlement, and the settlement with four elements. Uh, but uh, I believe. And the biggest difficulty was that President Ghani and a, a few other Afghan leaders uh, did not believe that we were serious about withdrawal for a long time. And they liked the status quo compared to a pl uh, political settlement in which they might not have the jobs that they had and, and the resources that the U.S. was providing would not be there. They mm -hmm. preferred the status quo to yeah. a, a political settlement. And uh, then uh, when it became clear that the U.S. was leaving, uh, that then uh, uh, they, they miscalculated the, the, uh, the effects uh, of the continuing war. They were not serious about the political settlement. Yeah. Those are also facts that impacted the situation. But if the United States is promising, essentially, to deliver the Afghan government and to make this deal happen, wasn't it diplomatic malpractice no. for the Secretary of State not to be holding Ghani's hand, walking him through this? Shouldn't Mike Pompeo have been doing that? Shouldn't well, Tony Blinken have been doing that? Both of them spent a lot of time uh, with uh, uh, President Ghani uh, to uh, take the negotiation seriously, to believe uh, that we were... Uh, uh, you don't the fault the actions of either Secretary of State. Oh, I do not, because I believe that both worked extremely hard, extremely hard uh, that, uh, to do the right thing for Afghanistan. So obviously, first for us, in terms of uh, uh, the directions they received uh, from the president, uh, but also uh, uh, to make sure that the terrorism issue is addressed, to make sure but that the withdrawal the takes United place, States, that we don't go back to a, a, to how, a war. How was more arm twisting not happening then? Uh, if, if all the blame is I, to go I, on the Ghani government. I, I believe myself, if, uh, uh, now that you've asked, that uh, uh, rather than that we pressed Ghani uh, too much, uh, it's my judgment that we didn't press him hard enough. Mm -hmm. And that we, uh, uh, there were a lot of Afghans who wanted to press Ghani a, a lot. Uh, uh, and. Uh, they were asking uh, whether it would be okay with us to, uh, to press them harder. We did not. We uh, um, uh, were gentle with President Ghani. We used diplomacy. We encouraged him. Once we, uh, um, Secretary Pompeo threatened to cut off a billion dollars uh, if Abdullah and Ghani, look at this situation. They're losing the war in Afghanistan. They have an election. Problematic election, only 1.2 right. million may have participated. Two inauguration. Imagine a situation yeah. like that. And uh, the, the Secretary Pompeo threatened to cut off 1 billion if they don't come mm -hmm. to an agreement. So if we had uh, told President Ghani early on that there will be uh, uh, no military support for uh, his security forces if he didn't negotiate seriously because he wanted to so stay So the Trump on. administration could have pushed harder? We could have pushed harder. Uh, I believe, we, in retrospect, my judgment is that uh, uh, we could have pressed President Ghani harder. Secretary Blinken has said he inherited, the President Biden inherited this deal right. and not a plan to execute it. Right. Whose well, job was that? Well, I think that uh, they did inherit uh, 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 the agreement, uh, no doubt. They had an opportunity to 
take a look at it, and they did. They could have made a variety of decisions uh, with regard to that agreement. Uh, they decided to stick with the withdrawal uh, provisions they of the They claim their hands were tied. It would have required plussing up of U.S. military presence in the country for them to do anything other than accept what you handed them. Well, do I you mean, buy that? The, uh, I think my judgment is they had uh, two basic options. Uh, go with a condition-based approach. Uh, see if, uh, if uh, uh, the Taliban uh, met the conditions of the agreement. Uh, if the decision could have been, if yes, we'll implement uh, uh, our part of that uh, agreement, or uh, uh, to go for a calendar-based uh, mm -hmm. approach, and the decision was to go for a calendar-based approach. Do you think American politics drove this more than the national security strategy? Sure. Well, I mean, the, the question is, uh, the, on the national security, uh, um, that we are in a different world that we were in in 2001. The, the biggest uh, issue facing us now is the rise of China, the potential right. bipolarity, uh, 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 sure. a, a comprehensive sure, but competition. Americans just watched on television. Yeah. This chaotic withdrawal. Right. Well, that this wasn't, didn't happen like you imagined it would happen. Right. Well, I mean, you have that could that. be looked at as well. I mean, it wasn't good. I agree with that. Nobody says that was good the way it happened. Why but, wasn't there a better plan in place from the Trump administration or crafted by the Biden administration to execute what you put on paper? Well, th this execution of the uh, last phase uh, was not uh, a military withdrawal that uh, went awry. It was uh, the uh, uh, response of the Afghan people to uh, what was happening that created the scenes at the airport. It was a combination of fear and opportunity. The Taliban were inside the city, right. inside Kabul, and, and, and people when fought. When President and, Ghani and the, fled, right? Uh, but they had. A, they, we got an agreement with them on the 14th, 15th of August that the two small four units that were there would, would draw that President Ghani would send an empowered delegation. In fact, uh, there is a report that he video, uh, 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 prepared a, uh, a statement on video, his agreement that uh, it, for the two weeks, sending a delegation, a power-sharing government. But why he didn't uh, stay uh, to see the implementation of that and withdrawal still is unclear. But the Taliban's literally knocking on the door, some inside the city of Kabul. But, and the United States military is still there. Right. Why didn't the U.S. State Department have a plan to execute what you negotiated and had been in writing well, for well, years? That, that Why wasn't that, of, that left by the Trump administration? Why wasn't that created by, the, by Tony Blinken and the State uh, Department? The, the, the plan for withdrawal, which is the responsibility of the Defense Department, was developed. General uh, McKenzie came on the 15th to ex explain that to the Talibs in Doha. He and I sat with the Talib leaders, and uh, uh, the, uh, the, the military plan mm -hmm. uh, was uh, uh, in place and a good plan. What complicated uh, the, the situation was the popular reaction in Kabul, the cause of which was both fear and opportunity. Fear, because uh, for a long time, everybody was saying, including some officials, that uh, when the Talibs come into Kabul, there will be a terrible war, street to street right. fighting, destruction of the city. So people were afraid that was one. Two, the impression was created that the, anyone who can make it to the airport, whether you have documents or not, you will be evacuated to the United States and to, uh, to Europe. That combination led to this flood of people to come to the airport and uh, caused the, uh, the, 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 the terrible scenes. But are you uh, saying everything that happened was inevitable? No, I don't think it was inevitable. Uh, I think uh, the, the, you, we could have had a negotiated settlement. Uh, we could have had the two weeks uh, agreement implemented. Uh, there were choices that people made, uh, mistakes also no doubt were made. President Ghani made the choice that he did that caused the forces to 
the centigrade in Kabul. To flee the country, to flee on, the country. on August the 15th. Right. It, some of his allies would argue the military was already melting away. Melting away. The Taliban Not was already Kabul. at the door. He was irrelevant at that point. Not in Kabul. Kabul is a city of five, six million people. But the Taliban uh, was there. Uh, the Taliban, as I said, they had some, uh, maybe mm -hmm. a few hundred forces already mm -hmm. in, but they agreed to withdraw that and, and they announced it. Mm -hmm. uh, and they said they will take, uh, in their uh, discussions with us, that they would take some of the government uh, uh, leaders, officials, into the next government. So the, the question is, why did President Ghani uh, do what he did? If he was willing to step aside for the sake of peace, imagine if he had offered that a year ago, six right. months ago, that somebody that's mutually acceptable could have led the government, but he did not. But fundamentally, the, the critique of you is that while you were sitting in Doha negotiating with Taliban political leaders, right. their fighters were on the battlefield with no intention to follow through on what you were negotiating. Do you believe that you were misled by the Taliban leaders you negotiated with? I, I, I believe that uh, the agreement said, the agreement said that we will implement what we committed to if the Taliban implemented what they committed to. Were you negotiating with the right people though? No doubt, because we tested them. But and that's not who's running Afghanistan now. Well, they are part of it, but in part again, President Ghani's departure uh, created a situation in which the problem became resolved, although it still we'll see what ultimately happens, by military means. And that, uh, 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 in turn, empowered the more militant Talibs. I believe that, the, that a negotiated uh, uh, withdrawal would have empowered more, the, uh, more uh, uh, moderate those who were involved in the negotiations. So uh, uh, um, there are two factors. The agreement itself was condition-based, a package. Right. Uh, and then the Biden Why administration said it won't be a conditions-based withdrawal. Well, we that's a decision that was made. That right. was a decision made way uh, so above my pay How much responsibility lies then with the administration now when you're saying it was all President Ghani? Is there blame to be borne by President Biden and his diplomats who you were working with? Right. Well, I believe that, uh, that uh, the diplomat worked very hard. The president made the decision that he did uh, not to go pursue a condition-based approach, but just a calendar-based approach right. because of a belief that if you pursue a condition-based approach, that the Afghan must negotiate and come to an agreement first that we will be stuck there for a long time given the, uh, what he had learned, uh, his negotiators had learned from President Ghani and from the Talibs that they were far apart and an agreement was unlikely on a political formula which the people of Afghanistan you, desperately needed. Do you really believe that the Taliban would have or still will hold elections or share power? Don't they just want to run the country themselves? Sure, uh, I mean, and as President Ghani wanted to run the country uh, himself, didn't want to leave office, that's the, uh, obviously the preferred outcome given their psychologies. But I believe... And you knew uh, that while you were negotiating with the uh, Taliban, that uh, even though they're agreeing to some form of power sharing, that they, in the end of the day, well, want to I run the country. I thought that they, they would agree to a power sharing arrangement if, because without that, they would have war. We wouldn't leave because that was condition-based. So because, of, I mean, we all have our own wish list, yeah. that's what we would prefer, but what would have been realistic and a condition-based approach, uh, uh, either war or... Uh, 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 as far as one can see, or uh, negotiate political settlement. President Ghani, uh, on the other hand, wanted to stay as president to, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, for the entirety of his term. And if we had told him, we're not going to give you military support unless you compromise that someone that's mutually acceptable would lead the government. Why didn't that happen? Well, because we were, uh, 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 didn't want to... Uh, uh, Coerce the, pres uh, the, the, uh, the president Secretary of the country. Why couldn't Secretary Blinken have done that? Well, uh, Secretary Blinken uh, did send a letter which was leaked, as a you letter. saw, uh, to uh, President Ghani soon after. Uh, it was a strongly worded letter, but so that is far different from saying, I'm going to cut you off unless you do this. Well, I mean, there are a lot of considerations. Uh, uh, President Ghani was very effective in lobbying in Washington. He had many friends uh, in various parts of the city. He lived here 
for a very long time. He was part of, he had, a, he had a research center not far from where we are today. So there was some reluctance uh, mm -hmm. to, to, to put that kind of pressure on him. And all of that is also kind of part of the mix that produced the outcome that, uh, that, uh, that ultimately happened. I mean, in your resignation letter, you said this did not turn out as you envisaged. Right. I, I would have wished, I would have liked to see a negotiated settlement. I, I feel for Afghanistan. I, after all, I was born there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have uh, uh, spent a lot of my life uh, uh, on behalf of the United States focused on Afghanistan. I helped them with their constitution. I helped them with their first election. I established an American university in, in Afghanistan. I was very en encouraged by the first years, uh, the enthusiasm, the hopefulness that I uh, observed there. But unfortunately, the, the, the political elite uh, of the country uh, made terrible mistakes, allowed corruption, uh, um, uh, misused uh, mm -hmm. elections, democracy, uh, and uh, didn't treat their security forces perhaps uh, the way uh, they should have been treated. And we faced uh, uh, the circumstances we did. Believe me, when I was there as ambassador, if you had asked me would the United States forces would be in Afghanistan in 10 years, I would say, of course not. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, because of what happened there, it had an effect here. And the effect here was uh, that it's time uh, to move on given the changes in the world and given that we've had significant success in dealing with the issue of terrorism. Why wasn't there a plan in place, at least on the counterterrorism front, oh, the, to the, deal with the Taliban, to talk to the Taliban? Well, we did talk to the Taliban. We have a set of agreements with them, uh, uh, some of which have not been released yet, on what they will do on the terrorism front. We uh, hold them accountable to those agreements. And uh, So, it, I'm sorry, because the, the administration says that those agreements are not in place, which is why they're trying to build those relationships now with the Taliban. No, no, there is agreement in place. There is agreement in place uh, with the Taliban on, on uh, terrorism and counterterrorism. But To do what? Well, that they, they will not host they will not allow uh, fundraising, they will not allow training, uh, they will not allow recruitment of, by individuals or groups uh, that would threaten the security of the United States and our allies, uh, including Al-Qaeda. But since we don't trust them, uh, we, uh, our uh, per, uh, President Biden's decision uh, also having over the horizon since we are no longer in Afghanistan. We were in Afghanistan until a few weeks ago. Right. So we were doing it from there. And since we decided to leave, we're going to do that from, uh, uh, so from are you beyond Afghanistan. And that remains a, a critical mission. So when you say there were counterterrorism plans in place, and agreements, agreements in was place. that contingent on the United States keeping some kind of presence in Afghanistan? Well, uh, we had agreed to withdraw completely. I know so what we agreed to, but was there uh, a wink and a nod? Uh, I know you know. The, 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 the issue was this. We and hear I from a lot of the same exactly national security what, officials yeah. in this country, not just Afghanistan, who right. said, we are going to well, keep some people well, there. What it was uh, is, uh, is, as I'll describe, which is that the Talibs as Talibs, they uh, said repeatedly, could not agree to an indefinite U.S. military presence because that would undermine the very raison d'etre of the struggle of the 17, to get 18 out foreign military uh, forces. occupation, they mm -hmm. described it. But once there is this negotiated government uh, that uh, uh, the two sides will agree to, the decision on what happens afterward would be the decision by that government and by the United States. If uh, uh, a the president at that time wanted to have a residual force that has to, had to be negotiated or would be negotiated with that government after a, a, a political settlement. So there was a wink and a nod that the United States would keep some kind of presence in Afghanistan. No. Is that what you're saying? What I am saying Because that sounds is, like what you're saying. Uh, what I am saying is what I said, which is that the Talibs could not agree. Right, to, but uh, to, this new but government. But if a new government and the United the States. The Taliban would not object to uh, it. And the United States wanted to, and that government agreed with it, that's different. So 
So we're saying the same thing. But that went out the window when the United States pulled out completely. Well, uh, so the Biden administration essentially blew up what you were saying were agreements. No, the, or of course, the situation changed. The situation agreement. changed radically. We decided to withdraw com uh, completely, and two, uh, a negotiated uh, agreement uh, by the two sides uh, 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 was not achieved. So the circumstances also changed. Do you think Americans are safer now? I think uh, a big burden is removed from the United States, uh, some 40 billion American uh, soldiers fighting for a war that uh, uh, wasn't going in the right direction. Uh, uh, we, the terrorist threat from Afghanistan is not what it used to be. The American people should be pleased, not with the way the uh, final phase happened. We all uh, are unhappy with that, but uh, that uh, uh, the Afghan war is over for the United States. Uh, the burden has been reduced uh, that we achieved the goal of uh, the devastating Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. The CIA Afghanistan. says Al-Qaeda could reconstitute in as little as a year within Afghanistan. Well, our record of predicting things, unfortunately, we need to be a little humble uh, in this regard. Uh, but So uh, we're not safer. Uh, You're hoping we are. We are much safer than we were before we went to Afghanistan. We when Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden was running camps right. and thousands of uh, people were being trained. Al-Qaeda sponsored Afghanistan. That is gone. But from uh, August of this year on? Well, we need to keep an eye on the situation, do not, not to do the same thing we did uh, prior to 9-11. As we were seeing, Al-Qaeda was developing, training, organizing and we uh, didn't have a serious strategy on response to it until after 9-11. We shouldn't repeat that mistake again. Do you think we, we should are? be monitoring and we should be uh, responding as we see the situation evolve. I also believe that uh, unless there is some extreme circumstance, the Taliban have also learned their lesson uh, in which they paid a high price for that, uh, allowing the, uh, the Al-Qaeda to use Afghanistan. They say 19 years, 18 years of suffering for one mistake. That's what they used to tell me. Isn't that sufficient? Very big mistake. A big mistake, big uh, response. They got big punishment. But now uh, they've committed not to uh, allow that. And we need to monitor it and be able to respond uh, if uh, we see the threat growing. Do you feel you were misled by the Taliban? Well, I, I don't uh, 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 allow people to mislead me. I give, uh, do my homework. Uh, the whole of government, this was not a Zal Khalilzad alone uh, no. doing this. I had uh, the military, the intelligence, uh, everyone with me. You're the only one out here defending it, though. Yeah, but uh, I, that's one reason why I left. I give you credit for coming yeah, and talking I'm, I'm, about I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I, one reason I left the government, as I wrote in my letter, is that, uh, that uh, the debate wasn't really a, a, uh, as it should be based on realities and facts of what happened, what was going on, uh, uh, and what our alternatives were, what we did, what uh, uh, from what we did uh, continued, what was abandoned, and why, and, and, and where we should go from here. Do you feel you're a scapegoat? Well, some of... Uh, 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 are trying to uh, to do that, but I think that would not be fair, putting me aside as an individual, uh, because we wouldn't learn the right lessons then if we just put it on an individual. Uh, if, uh, if we don't uh, ask ourselves why did our military strategy did not succeed, uh, why did we uh, uh, not achieve the goals over time that we would have liked to achieve with regard to building this new Afghanistan? I just want to be clear, because when you yeah. say you were not alone in this, you're, yeah. you were intimately involved, step-by-step sure. step in this, Absolutely. with Secretary of State yeah. Mike Pompeo. Right. And with the new team when, the, when they came. Uh, and I explained but to you what we achieved. For the majority achieved. of two years, it was Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Right. And he knew everything you were negotiating, correct? Uh, indeed. So when he runs for president 2024, as many predict, should he be judged on this? Well, he, uh, but I have to say the agreement that we uh, negotiated was a condition-based agreement to end the war in Afghanistan and give the Afghan people a chance for peace. Uh, that's what the agreement was. So he uh, should be judged on that? I mean, if, if, if he does run for a president, I'm sure this will be one of the issues on, 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 on which he will be judged, no doubt. Because he says that you negotiated a solid deal, it was the execution. 
It was the execution under the Biden administration. I have described to you what the agreement was, right. uh, the, the four elements. And uh, I also described to you how the decision ultimately was uh, uh, made to put condition base aside and, yeah. f uh, and follow a calendar base. You're laying that on the Biden administration. No, I'm, I'm just that. saying uh, it was already the happening earlier. And they argue you boxed them in uh, and that they were boxed in by the prior president. Uh, you always inherit <laughs> agreement from the previous uh, mm -hmm. group. You either agree to continue with it or you say, no, I would like to renegotiate it. So th those are the choices that, uh, that uh, happen all the time. We saw in the previous administration putting the Iran agreement aside. Uh, that was an option, or uh, adjusting it. Uh, but uh, the decision was... Uh, President Biden could have asked to keep troops longer. Is what you're saying? He could have. Then there would have been consequences for it, which is uh, that the Talibs might not have accepted that, and therefore, uh, they, uh, no attack on U.S. forces that was in place for so many months, in which not a single American was killed by the Talibs mm -hmm. from the agreement until full withdrawal. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, the Talibs might have put that aside. So that, that was, uh, I think, the, one of the factors. Uh, that impacted uh, or influenced the decision that he made. We've been talking about details and politics, but as you made clear, you feel very passionately about the country of your birth, Afghanistan. Absolutely, and I will do what I can from outside as an individual with my contacts and relationship both here, there, in the world to help Afghanistan. The struggle goes on. Uh, now it's over to the Afghans, the American encounter with Afghanistan benefited the Afghans uh, uh, enormously. Uh, I mean, millions of Afghans with cell phones now connected with mm -hmm. the world. Our society has been uh, connected with it. The world yeah. has been connected with it. And, and, and uh, now without the military, the burden of the uh, military presence, we need to use all other instruments that we have to encourage it uh, to move towards uh, the, uh, uh, the objectives of uh, an Afghanistan and that's at peace with itself and does not pose a threat to the rest of the world. But when you see pictures of children yes. struggling to eat, right. when you see the pictures of women being whipped in the streets, right. how do you feel when you see that? Do you feel any degree of responsibility for this outcome? Well, I see there's a lot of work to still to be done in Afghanistan. Uh, this is a, a society that has a lot of problems. Uh, uh, we uh, uh, need to help them come to an agreement on a formula that is broadly accepted by urban and rural Afghans, by secular and religious Afghans. Uh, Afghanistan wasn't an ideal place before we made this agreement and we withdrew. There was a war going on. Every day, two to three hundred people died. People forget that. People think, ah, we had such a good situation. And no. look what. 60% uh, of the country in 2018 was under the control of the Taliban when you took this job. Right. The Taliban was winning, right. as you said. The, ooh, I mean, the, nobody said that this was a terrible situation. Fewer people die now in Afghanistan than died then. Much fewer people get killed now in Afghanistan than. Uh, that, no American gets killed in Afghanistan. 13 now. American yeah. service people died, though. As a result of a terrorist attack at the airport by uh, Daesh, which the Talibs are enemy Carried of. Carried out by ISIS. Uh, by so ISIS, and they are at war with each other. But that bomber was released from prison by the Taliban. Well, not with the intention when they to... Came, not with the intention, but <laughs> right. that was what happened. So this wasn't an orderly withdrawal. 13 Americans Nobody, died. nobody, uh, I would, I'm not saying it was an ordered withdrawal. This was an ugly uh, fi final phase, no doubt about it. It could have been a lot worse. It could be a lot worse. The Talibs did help with the withdrawal. General McKenzie would tell you they did everything we asked them to do during that final phase. I was on the phone with them constantly, push this uh, close this road, allow these uh, uh, buses. It could have been a lot worse. Kabul could have been destroyed. Street to street fighting could have occurred. I went to Afghanistan after 30 plus years after the Soviet withdrawal and what happened. Everywhere you looked, there was destruction, like uh, some German city after World War II. This could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse.
It can still be a lot worse or it can get better. But the choice is now mostly theirs, Afghans. Rumi, the great Afghan born in Balkh said, you can walk with people, you cannot walk for them. Now it's time for the Afghans to take ownership with non-military assistance. Unless we are threatened, then our military should be in play. But we should not abandon Afghanistan, turn our back on it, use our influence as a, a country with enormous capability and influence to encourage uh, the emergence of an Afghanistan that the Afghans aspire for. Ambassador, thank you for your time. Thank well, you for thank taking you. questions. Thank you very much. If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.